Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. All right, Hebrews 12, 1. Let's look at it together as I read. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. I want to talk to you tonight about making sure you run your race. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. God, thank you for each person who has come. God, I pray, Lord, that you would be our teacher. Help us to make sense of this passage, God, of this scripture. Teach us what you would have us tonight. God, I pray that tonight we not only would hear your word and learn it, but that you would empower us to apply it. God, I pray for our youth workers and our children, church workers and our nursery workers, God, that you would bless them, that you would use them tonight for your glory to reach our young people for Christ. And we ask you to speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's concentrate tonight, though, on this one verse. We're going to stay pretty much inside this one verse. And I just want to break it down to you Wednesday night Bible study style, um, taking it piece by piece, bite-sized pieces, so we can learn to digest it. Therefore, comma. When there's a comma, you got to pause. You, 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 you got to see, uh, digest what's just been said. And I've told you many times, if you ever read any type of literature and you see the word therefore or wherefore, you need to stop and figure out what it's there for. What does that word therefore mean in any form of literature, and especially as we look at it tonight? Because of everything I've just said, therefore, based on what I just said. So if this is chapter 12, verse 1, where would we find what he just said? Chapter 11, chapter 10. Now, here's, here's something that you probably know, but you may not know. The Bible was not written with chapters and verses. The Bible was not broken down like that. Chapters, verses, and punctuation were all added um, way after it was written because just think if this whole book didn't have chapter breakdown and i said just flip through the book of hebrews until you find until you find the passage that says therefore since we that'd be kind of difficult so it allows us to break it down and slow it down because we need to digest what's being said therefore now hebrews chapter 11 is part of the what he's just said and Hebrews chapter 11 is called by theologians the hall of fame of faith. Heroes of our faith are listed in chapter 11. It talks about Moses and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It talks about Moses and Samson. It talks about people of great faith and great notoriety in the church. The heroes that it goes on to say that some of them were Stoned, some of them were sawn in half. Man, I remember the first time I read, and, and many times since then, I read when I read people of whom this world was not worthy. And I just started weeping, and I thought, this world isn't worthy of good people like that. The world we live in right now doesn't deserve somebody that loves God that much. And it talks about these wonderful people, the, the heroes of the Christian faith, people who really live this thing at such a high level that, that they died for it, that they were sawn, sawn in half, okay? That's rough. I mean, because they, they didn't have, I mean, it wasn't no, you know, big giant piece of machinery. It was, this was a long, drawn-out process. I, I'll, I'll confess something to y'all, probably one of the worst things I ever did to my mind. I don't know why I did it, but I regret doing it. And it was just, it was heavy on the news. They'd been talking about it for a long time. This journalist that got his head cut off uh, by ISIS, or it was by Al-Qaeda at the time. And they talk about him getting his head cut off. And 
uh, they, they had it on a, on, a, on a video, and I clicked on that video, and, and I thought, you know, I thought they were going to take one of the big giant swords and just swing it, and it'd be over like on a movie. No, it was a, it was a knife about a steak knife size, and they sawed back and forth as he screamed into the camera. I clicked off that. That, that scarred my head forever. These Christians that were sawn in half that chapter 11 is talking about, that's how they died. Brutal, horrific deaths that Christians have suffered just for being Christians. You know, we think we're being persecuted if we're sitting in traffic. We, we think we're going through if our children don't obey us first time every time. We, we think that the world is against us if life doesn't fall into place for us. But there are actually people who went through a lot. And you ought to read chapter 11 every now and then and hear about these heroes of the Christian faith. Don't read it now, though, because faith comes by hearing. And I want you to hear the word of the Lord. But he says, therefore, because of all the things that I've just said, I want to say something else to you. Based on what you've just heard, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith. He's talking about all those people that are in heaven. He's talking about all the people that have already gone on to heaven. Now, a lot of people say, I want to go to heaven to see my grandfather. And that's all right. People say, I want to go to heaven to see uh, my, my so-and-so. Uh, I, I believe that my wife is in heaven. Um, I, I believe that my brother is in heaven. Uh, I, I have friends that have died that, are, that went to heaven. My best friend from high school, uh, I believe, is in heaven. Um, I hope he's in heaven. Um, but people say they want to go there to see so-and-so. Man, I like that one song um, where it talks about a guy had a dream that he went to heaven and somebody gave him a tour and he saw Abraham and Isaac, Mark and Timothy. But then I said, I want to see Jesus because he's the one who died for me. Uh, if, if, if I die before you do, and, and you say, man, I want to go to heaven and, and, and see Pastor Scott. I'm going to be easy to find because I'm going to be where Jesus is. I'm not going to be looking up friends and family members. If, 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 well, of course, you know, eternity's a long time. I'm sure I'll make it around to them somehow or they'll dribble up next to Jesus at some point. But this is one of the passages of Scripture that allows us to believe that people who have died and have gone to heaven are watching us, mama and grandmama friends and family we have a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith people who have died and are Abraham Isaac and Jacob are watching from heaven there, there, there are windows in heaven that people who are in heaven are allowed to look through and and to watch you get corny like me well I guess it runs in the family because my kids have prayed it man it just breaks me down when they pray it um and, I, and I've, I've prayed it not in front of them because I try not to be too, you know, gut-wrenching in front of them. We pray every night in the kids' room, but um, to ask God to tell their mom something. I think God's too busy for all that, but I don't know. What I do know is the people that have gone on to heaven are watching us. They're our witnesses, and they've already done what we wanted to do. And some of them are fantastic Christian heroes, and they are watching us. I, I, can rem I remember just, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, Deacon Jimmy was preaching his mother-in-law's funeral. And I really thought about it, and I, I, was, I was telling Dina, Deacon Scott, I said, you know, I, I don't know if I should stay or if I should go, um, because I know it's going to make it harder on Deacon Jimmy to have me sitting out here. Um, for him to preach and then he talked about it and it's like you know you have nervous because you were out there and I know what it's like to preach in front of uh, your pastor um, because it, it's just a he's watching me and it makes you a little nervous doesn't it and but think about this lots of people are watching us from heaven mom's watching Abraham Isaac Jacob they're watching we, we, are, we are surrounded by a huge cloud, crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Because of that, the scripture is saying, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Come. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. You've got to learn how to read the Bible to try to understand it. Inference will help you as much as any tool I can give you. 
um, when it comes to understanding the Bible. It doesn't say specifically you have a lot of weight on you that is slowing you down. It says let us strip off every weight that slows us down. So if it tells us that we have to strip off weight that is slowing us down, guess what we have on us? Weight that is doing what to us? All right, you got to understand that. When you read that, you need to think in your mind, I have weight on me that is slowing me down. Now, because I'm pretty confident, I don't see anybody in this room that can beat me in a foot race. Because I know Deacon Jimmy, he's laughing. He's, he's, you banged up, son. Plus, you got boots on. And I, and I wore my running shoes just in case anybody wanted to get it. But let, let's, let's just say um, Elder Scott or, or Deacon Scott used to ride bikes, like from his house to the beach and back, hundreds of miles a week. He'd take off on a 100-mile bike ride. I'd be back in a couple hours. Incredible cardio and just go forever. Let, let's, let's just say that. Deacon Scott was an extremely fast track star, and he could beat me running. All right, let's go with that premise. But, and some of y'all heard this before, what, what if he could beat me in, in a track race, but I said, okay, we're going to race from the one entrance on, on, the, on the property to the other, out on the street, driveway to driveway, and he's, he, he's faster than me, so he can outrun me. But what if he had to pick this thing up, and put it on his back and carry it while he ran. See how that would change who can run fast? You are supposed to be running a race. You have a bunch of people, just like your daughter ran a race, lots of people were watching. Now, if somebody would have came and told her, all these other girls are wearing basically nothing, little lightweight clothing next to nothing, Got their hair all pinned back, ready to go. Y'all remember Flojo? Flojo came out with them sweet suits. I mean, just wasn't no wind on her at all. Um, but they said, okay, everybody else is going to be all tracked up. But we got this 45-pound universal weight plate. We're going to need her to run with that in her hand. Would that be fair? Could she win that way? You can't win that way. But guess what we're all doing? We are trying to run a race because God has commanded us while carrying weight. Weight that you're not supposed to carry. Weight that is not yours to carry. Weight that you cannot carry and run effectively. And God said, strip it off. Now see, these people that get serious about racing, swimmers. You ever seen these swimmers? I figure you're either fast or you're not. Really shaving the hair on your arms? How much hair you got on your arms? That's really going to slow you down? That's really going to make a difference? I mean, shaving your head bald and plus putting a cap on it. Where's the point in that? All those dudes are bald-headed, plus they put a cap on their head. All this is designed to lower their body drag, to, to lower their to resistance in the water, to make, to make them faster. Man, you start shaving the hair off your arms, you are really taking every weight off. You know what I'm saying? Now, you ain't never seen an Olympic swimmer with a beard on. You ain't never seen that. You ain't never seen an Olympic swimmer come out all hairy-chested with gold chains hanging down. Right? Uh, no, they, they, they take off, strip down everything. Little tiny, you know, grape-holding Speedo. They, they shouldn't even show that on television. You know, that's halfway to gross. But they come out with as little... Resistance as possible. Why? They're not carrying any extra weight because they know I'm going to get rid of everything I can get rid of so I can be the fastest I can be. But all week long, we just have weight piled on us. All week long, we just take on burdens and just carry it and carry it and carry it. I preached a message one time um, about God's unloading dock. And uh, I've worked in warehouses, maybe you have too, or you can just at least figure out tr big trucks back up to, to the loading dock. Or, they always call it the loading dock, sometimes it's the unloading dock. They back up, and they come in full and heavy. And they come in riding low, tires smashed to the ground. 
And then somebody comes in and takes all that off of them. And when they leave there, they can drive home faster than they got there because they're riding light. You can drive faster riding light than you can driving heavy. And you can turn quicker. And it's just easier. And it's more joyful than having all that weight on you. And it says, Lay, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Now, inference says you got weight on you. The command is to strip it off. See, I believe the Bible is a perfect book. I believe every word in the Bible is valid. I believe every word in the Bible is there for us to learn from with no mistakes. And he says, strip it off. Stripping's not an easy process. Anybody ever strip a floor? Not an easy process. Anybody ever try to strip some carpet? Not an easy process. So, the, now, so this tells me that some of this stuff is stuck to us. If you have to strip it off, then it must be stuck to us. And I know from counseling people for four decades that a lot of people have been carrying stuff for a long time. You know, the longer you something's stuck to you, the ickier it gets. Man, I, w- I, wish, I wish Cindy or Michael or Amber were in the room. Um, when we started this church, that, were the pews still there when y'all there or we'd already got chairs? They came right at the end of our first year. You don't remember if the pews were there. We started in this church that had a million-year-old pews, and, and I, I've since learned, and I see it in restaurants. If you see a wooden chair or a wooden table and the top of the chair is a different color than the rest of the chair, you know what that color came from? Yuck. That's hand grime. That's dirt and goo coming off people's hands, grabbing the top. If you want to see it in real life, go to Uncle Charlie's on Lane Avenue. You, you, they, they got the same. They put new tables in there last month. 47 years, same chairs. We went there when we were teenagers. They, they put in some new tables. But the top of the chair, you could take your thumbnail and scrape across it and just fill a butter knife. And, isn't that gross? That's gross. But guess what? That weight that you've been carrying for years, it's got that icky on it too. When we, when we used to sit down in the pews we started with, when you sat down in them, and everybody knew what they were doing, you could tell who knew what they were doing. Because the people would go to get up, they'd go like this, and then they go like this. And they just kind of they just kind of peel their shirt off. Because if you went to go like this, you'd jack your shirt straight up. Because your shirt was sticking to the back of the pew because all these rednecks have been walking in. Hey, all right. All right. Put your stand up like 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 an, an old person who has to use the the chair in front of them to stand up. Everybody watch. That's what people do. Now go ahead. That, see? All right, thanks. That's what people do. Now, watch when people get ready to leave. They're all going to be scared to grab. They're going to be scared to grab the chair in front of them. They're going to try to stand up without grabbing the chair in front of them. But people reach up, and they grab that pew, and they go to stand up. I've seen women get their hair caught up in that mess in churches before. You know, your hair's laying there, and they grab the pew, and yeet! But... The chair, the pews were just dirty and icky, and they had been gathering grime for years. We went to strip the carpet up because the whole place smelled like cat pee. Be thank God for this building right here. And the more we pulled it up, the more icky we found under it, and the grosser and the grosser it got. What am I telling you? The longer you've had something stuck to you, the stickier it gets, and the yuckier it gets, and and it, it just harder. To clean up the longer you let it stay there. And we, we stripped that carpet up and there was just goo underneath. And we have, many of us, been carrying stuff for so long that it is stuck to us. And as it sticks to us, it's getting worse and worse. This church was so old, it had, they decided all the rips where the seams had come apart in the carpet to put duct tape down on them. Well, let me tell you something. That only lasts for a minute. And when the duct tape gives way and the carpet peels up and you leave the duct tape, this duct tape was gooey and nasty. 
and, and, and the carpet was curling up where it broke free from the duct tape. We literally, I, I, I put out a, a message one time. It wasn't no social media back then, but I, to, I told people in the email one time, we literally had so many people walk the aisle this morning to receive Christ. They were tripping coming down. We had a lady trip coming down the aisle to receive Christ, fell so hard, broke her hip. Miss Brenda Corley, I think was her last name. But carpet rolled up. What am I saying? Sticky gets icky. And it gets worse and worse. I'm going to need you to sit down for me if you can. Thank you. And the longer you let something stick to you, the worse it can get. And God says to strip it off. If you don't remember anything tonight, and I labored on the icky and the sticky so it'll be stuck in your mind, that you need to get rid of that stuff that has been stuck to you for so long. Some of you are still plagued by what mama did or didn't do for you. Some of you are still plagued by what daddy did or didn't do for you. What a person did or didn't do for you. Some of y'all are still dealing with tragedy and trauma from your childhood. And guess what it's doing? It's slowing you down. It's making you not be able to be effective. You can't be as effective as you want to be. And you can't be as effective as God is telling you to be carrying that excess weight. You just can't let go. And people, let go and let God. Well, that just sounds beautiful. That sounds awesome. But it don't say just let it go. It says strip it off. That takes effort. That takes work. That takes determination. And it don't happen on the first try. You, you got to strip away and strip away and strip away. You got to keep pulling on it. You got to keep scraping it. You got to keep scrubbing it. You got to get what it was then and what it's become since then. Because if you hold on to pain, it was just pain when you got it. But that pain has caused you to lose stuff on and along. There are people that are holding on to stuff from a childhood that cost them a marriage. So now that one pain has turned into what it was as a child. Now a lost marriage. Now lost. I mean, and it just begins to multiply. So this stripping away, it might not be just as easy as let go and let God. It might take you a day, a month, a year, or a decade of determined effort to strip that away. But it, no matter how long it takes, it, you have to be determined. Say determined. You have to be determined to get rid of this, to strip it off. You've got to, you got to admit, I'm carrying weight that God doesn't want me to carry. I'm carrying things. I'm weighed down by stuff. God has an unloading dock, and it's prayer. And if you go to that unloading dock every day, and you just unload everything that is on your nerves, and you just tell God everything that is bothering you, and you just release every hurt to God every single day. If you unload, see, when they take that truck to its final destination and everything that's in that truck is supposed to go to that store, they take it all off. They don't take half of it off and say, go drive back to California, come back, and we'll take the rest off tomorrow. They don't say, keep that in your truck for the next month, come back, and we'll get the rest of it all. They take it all. When you unload at the end of the day in prayer, you need to unload it all. Get it all off. Because if you hold on to it, then it's not as easy as just putting it off. you got to strip it off. And if you let it stay on you, then it gathers junk and gunk and icky and sticky. And it just becomes a bigger problem than it ever was. And your problem begins to multiply and create new problems. See, that's one thing about liars, and I'm, I can't stand a liar. I'm going to tell you, they're just different things bother different people. I am, I, I am anti-liar. I, I make sure my kids know. You, you, you ask my kids, they, they can tell you faithful are the wounds of what? A friend. You got to you tell the truth whether it hurts or not. The truth's the truth anyhow. I can't stand people that lie. I understand sometimes it's difficult to tell the truth, but people just need to tell the truth because here's the thing. Most people aren't smart enough to be a good liar. Most people don't have good enough memory to be a good liar. Because if you're going to lie about something, you have to remember how you told it. And this is how cops break you down in, in, in the interrogation process. They write down and record everything you say. And then when they have somebody else come in and ask you two hours later, uh, tell me, I, well, I already told it to the friend, well, tell it to me again. And then you say, well, the gun was in uh, my left hand. Uh, oh, really? Because according to what you just told Officer Green, you said the gun was in your right hand. Oh, 
Yeah, I meant my right hand. Well, now you're tripping up because most people aren't smart enough to be a good liar because their memory. You got to tell it the same way every time. Listen, it's easy to tell the truth the same way every time. Truth's the truth. You don't have to try to remember. Well, what, what, what did I say it was? Well, it was what it was. But when you made it something different, you got to remember the lie that you told. But see, here's what happens. Liars. Don't nursery rhyme. Oh, what a tangled web we weave. When we practice to deceive, when you start lying, then you got to tell lies on top of your lies. You got to compound those lies. And then you just got to keep adding to it until it spirals so far out of control. You wish you had told the truth to begin with. Whatever your weight is, you need to identify it. Because whether it's a new weight or an old weight, God said to strip it off. If you just stripped off new weight, it would be easy as let go and let God. If it was all new weight, if you hadn't been carrying it around for years, it'd be very easy to let it go. But if it's something you've been holding, been festering, been nursing for 5, 10, 20, 30 years, then it's just got grime and sticky and just gathered junk all around it, and it is just stuck in there hard. You know, I've, I've heard smart people say it's easier to keep a clean house clean. And it is. I pray my strength in the Lord that I, I, I'll get mine that way. But it is easier to keep something clean. Just think. Now, hopefully none of y'all have, have not, you know, hopefully y'all clean y'all's tub on Saturday. Amen? At least. Hopefully y'all y'all do, do some type of cleaning uh, weekly. But if you had a tub that hadn't been clean, and you, you have had lots of people using it, kids using it, and you didn't clean that tub for nine years, guess what it looked like? The whole bottom of it would be black, be sticky. Uh, you think you're going in there with, with a little bit of soft scrub and cleaning that up? Uh, you're going to put some elbow grease on that. Why? Because yuck gathers yuck. And junk gathers junk. And weight just clings and sticks. And when you get to the place where you have to strip it off, now that's going to take determined effort. And you've got weight on you that you need to strip off. So that's difficult. That's hard. You got some things that you just can't lay down. Why? Because they're stuck to you because they've been a part of you for so long. You know, some people just like being depressed. Some people like being angry. Some people like hating because hate will keep you warm at night. Some people like being depressed because if, if, if they didn't have nothing to complain about, they wouldn't be able to talk as, as much as they do. Some people just get comfortable with their misery because it's all they've ever known. God says lay that down. Lay it down. How do we know, based on this one phrase, between these comments, this one phrase, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. How do we know if something in our life is a weight that God wants us to let go of? What, what determines that that's a weight that God wants you to strip away? It's slowing you down. If it's slowing you down as a Christian, it, because you've got all these great Christians watching you, you know, when, when, when you're doing something, it's just like Deacon Jimmy had to preach that funeral, and I walk in, oh, well, now there's somebody that's an expert preacher coming in watching him who, who hasn't preached as much as I have. And, and so he's like, oh, I, I've got some, somebody watching me now that really knows this deal. We got real Christians watching us from heaven. We got real, even our, our shabby living relatives who died and went to heaven, they're now in a perfect body. They're now in a redeemed state. They now, I'm going to need you to sit back there. Thank you. We got Christians, they, they weren't great Christians when they were with us, but now they're in heaven and they've been perfected. They're watching us with a perfect mind. They're watching us with a redeemed body. They're watching us on the other side. So we've got to realize, man, we got God watching us. We got mom and them with a good mind watching us. We, we got to get this thing together. Because, therefore, since all these people are watching us, we gotta, we got to run this race. So we need to strip off every weight that slows us down. I want you to do a couple of things with tonight's teaching. Number one, I want you to be a Christian for sure, okay? Because it says, let us. Who's us? Us is Christians. He's talking about Christians. You read the Bible, it says, we and us the writer's talking to Christians. He's saying them and they talking to non-Christians. Well, first, I want you to be a Christian. If you're not saved, 
ask God to save you, and he'll do it. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he'll forgive you your sins. If you call on the Lord, he'll save you. That's easy. But I want you, if you are saved, I want you to admit that you have weight that needs to come off. None of us that holy. None of us that righteous. None, none of us that perfect. None of, none of us without need. Go, go in that for you for me. None of us are weightless. If we didn't have weight on us, God wouldn't need to put this verse in there. We have weight on us. We have weight that needs to be stripped off of us because it slows us down. See, some of y'all really uh, thinker types, some, some of y'all that, that uh, uh, suspicious, really, you know, get, watch CSI too much. You can't concentrate on me right now because you're so concerned with what's going on uh, over here that your weight is suspicion. Nosiness. Busy. The Bible calls it busybody. God says you can't follow him being a busybody worrying about other people's condition. See, the devil will do anything to distract a real Christian. He can't take your salvation away from you. He can't get you. You are in God's hand. You're in Jesus' hand. Jesus' hand in God's hand. And God's hand is sealed up by the Holy Spirit. Nobody can get you out of God's hand, but the devil sure can distract you and take your attention off what God. God wants you to be saved. God wants you to admit that his word is true. And God wants you to admit that you have weight. That needs to come off. Needs to come off. You have weight that needs to come off. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to figure out what it is. I need you to sit down. Thank you. You have weight that needs, and there's nothing wrong with that. The Bible says do everything decently and in order. God's house got to be kept in order. That's why a lot of people won't come to abundant life. Tell them, tell them Pastor Scott, don't play foolishness. That's, that's for sure. And, and a lot of people just want to anything goes. I saw one church. I went into one church. It said in the back. Coffee, coffee station inside the sanctuary. It says, please feel free to get up at any time during our service and refill your cup. What? Can you imagine the word of God, the, 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 the holy word of God being articulated by God's orator? Somebody being moved by the Spirit of God about to get a breakthrough. Oh, excuse me, man. Excuse, kicking feet, walking through, uh, spilling coffee on folks. No, you got to do things decently in order. Don't get tripped up by anything. But figure out what weight it is. See, because everybody has a different weight. Some things bother me, don't bother you at all. Some things make me just lose my mind. They're like water off a duck's back to you. You just, I mean, one, one of the things, I can't imagine ever loving anybody as much as I love Gail. But one of the frustrating things about her, nothing bothered her. Nothing. Always smiling, right? You, you read her obituary, you read the guest book on her, everybody, you read anything on social media, everybody always talking about her smiling. Nothing but, I mean, I couldn't get her to be upset about anything. Couldn't argue with her because she wouldn't argue back. She's too busy smiling and asking if I wanted ice cream. You get me eating ice cream, I'm, I'm good. I mean, but different people have different weight. you got to figure out what yours is. you got to figure out what is it that you're carrying around in life that is slowing you down. Man, I, I, wish, I wish we had enough time and honesty just to really get it out, just to really talk about it, just to really get you to admit, what is it that you do that is slowing you down? What pothole is it you keep hitting that is messing up your race? Because this is something that's willful. This is something that you can strip off. This isn't something beyond your control. This isn't, well, I've just always been that way and it's just how I am. No, this is something that God expects you, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how stuck it is to you, this is something God expects you to strip off. So you got a race to run, Christian, and you're carrying weight that you don't need to be carrying. And you got to find a way to get it off because it's slowing you down. Then the writer goes on to say, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. All right, now based on context and based on the phraseology of the original language in the Greek, a lot of higher critics have believed that this, and if you read higher critics, you're going to get messed up and it's going to be difficult to believe a whole lot. But if you read higher critics, they're so deep, uh, they're, they're, they're so tied up in academia, but a lot of them believe that the sin that so easily trips us up 
is unbelief. They believe that's the sin that trips up everybody of unbelief. Well, whether that's the sin that trips us up, in the original language, it makes it sound like it's, it's common to all of us. So let's say that it's unbelief here. Well, we all can be affected by unbelief. Anytime you're not freely walking in everything God has for you, you're unbelieving. Because you say you love God and you want to follow God. You say you believe God wants to bless you, but when you don't do something he tells you to do, there's a belief problem there. Because you don't believe he's going to bless you if you do it. And you sure don't believe he's going to chastise you for doing it or you wouldn't have done it in the first place because my kids have never done anything contrary in front of me. They, when, when they know that I hear them, they change up. I hear them getting too loud in their bedroom. And I, and I, and I, and I yell at them, what's all that noise? Who's fighting? All the noise just vanished out of the house. Nobody's fighting, no, nothing. I just heard the furniture. I just sound like somebody just turned over the bunk beds. What are y'all doing in there? Reading and lying. My kids don't. My kids don't act foolish in front of me. Your kids probably just don't curse you out right in front of you. They they probably they probably act different in front of you. Now, if they do, you need extra help. But most children act different when they know that their father or their mother is watching them. Do we not know that God is watching us? What do you think you are doing? Where do you think you are going that you're escaping the eyes of the Lord? The Bible says if you go to the deepest valley, the lowest place in the world, the deepest ocean, he said, you go to the highest mountain. You can't. I hear people say, pray for my son. He's running from God. You can't run from God. It's, it's, it's not like he's, 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 he's going to be wherever you go. He's faster than you, and he's already where you're going, so you're not running from him. You're just running. We cannot go anywhere that God is not already there. We, everything, everywhere you are, God sees you. So we need to act different. We need to act different when we're in the presence of God than when we're not. But here's the question. When are we not in the presence of God? We're always in his praise everywhere you can go. Okay, so we need to make sure that this sin that easily trips us up, we know God is watching. You better not do that again. Now, let's say that we all have different things that trip us up, whether, whether it's that sin that, that easily trips us up or that weight that is slowing us down. So for some people, it might be drinking, smoking, cussing, fornicating, homemongering, pornography. It might be gossip. It might be lying. It might be overeating. It might be lazy. Whatever it is. It's keeping you from being as effective as God wants you to be. you got to take care of that. You need to identify that. I told, I told y'all Sunday night, you need to get a prayer list, and you need to write down specific things, and you need to pray those specific things, same things every day. I've had people tell me, well, I don't think that's right because Jesus said uh, that he, he, he don't want us to pray vain repetition, so I pray new prayers every night. It's not vain repetition if it's your heart to say it. Vain repetition is something you're just praying that you don't really mean. But you can pray every day for God to save your children. That's not vain repetition. You can pray every day for God to deliver you from a spirit of lying. That's not vain repetition if you mean it in your heart. You need to figure out what your weight is. You need to figure out what is it that keeps tripping me up. And I guarantee you this. If you put any thought into it at all, God will show you. Now, if you're as close to God as David is, or David's a different kind of cat. David closer to God, I believe, anybody ever lived outside the Apostle Paul. And they may be neck and neck on that because the Bible says that David's ways always please the Lord. That's what God's rendition of him was. I don't know who wants to step up next to that. God said David's ways always pleased him. God said he was a man after my own heart whose ways always pleased God said the Spirit came on David and never left him. See, in the Old Testament, they didn't have it like us. Jesus said, when I die and I go away, the Father will send the Holy Spirit, and he will be with you as I have been with you, but he will not only be with you as I've been with you, but he will be inside you and be with you always. See, New Testament Christians had the Holy Ghost living inside them. Old Testament Christians, the Spirit would come on them and leave and go somewhere else, but not for David. David was the only person in the Old Testament the Spirit of God came on him and never left him. So David was a different kind of cat. David was so close to God that David prayed 
and, and said, search me and try me, O God, and show me if there's any wicked way in me. How many people in this room right now need God? You, you're so deep and holy, you need God to show you if there's any possible thing wrong with you. I mean, if you can't sit down and write out a list, you, <laughs> you ain't honest with yourself. We are not King David. We are not the Apostle Paul. We're just a bunch of people living in North Florida trying to do our best in our process of becoming who God wants us to be, just trying to get to heaven. We get there, we'd be looking down on the rest of y'all that still are here like the rest of that great crowd of witnesses, okay? So you got to figure out what your deal is. If you can't figure it out because you're so deep and holy, you can pray. Search me, O God, and try me and show me if there be any wicked way in me. I, I, I tell you to do this. Keep a pencil sharpener next to you, though. And, and keep a lot of ink in your ink pen. Because you get that honest with God, God's going to start showing you some stuff. So we, I, I really don't believe that we need that much help, though. I don't believe we need to go to a counselor to find out what's wrong with us. The Bible says the Holy Spirit would lead you into all truth. You sit down and honestly say, God, what, 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 what's slowing me down? <laughs> you can come up with a hundred things. You got to start stripping those things off. But most people in this room, they're not even going to give it any, any, any time to think about it. Oh, Al, I'm already a better Christian than I was last year, so I'm not going to worry about what I get. You better sit down with paper and pen and identify what's weighing you down. Even if you already know it, write it down. Write it down on a piece of paper so you can know, I'm stripping this off. Look at it every day. I'm beating you. You're not going to beat me. I'm not carrying you around for the rest of my life. I'm not carrying you around so more junk can stick to me. I'm not carrying you around so you slow me down. Write it down on a piece of paper. Name it. Name it for what it is. Name it for what it is and determine that you are going to get it off of you and get it away from you and not carry it with you daily. I have people come to me all the time, I don't know, Pastor, I just don't know. I don't know why God is not blessing me. My kids drive me crazy. My marriage is, well, uh, how are you doing in your Bible study? Uh, well, how, 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 how many days a week you read the Bible? Same answer I get every time. I've been telling you all this for years. Everybody says the exact same. How, I, I say, how often are you reading your Bible? That's a pretty specific question. If I, if I say, how often are you taking a bath or a shower? Hopefully you'd say uh, at least once a day. If I say how many times are you brushing your teeth, at least, hopefully you'd, you'd say at least twice a day. I mean, it's a pretty specific question. How, how often are you reading the Bible? You know, the same, same response I get every time? I've told you all for you, not as much as I should have. What kind of answer is that? I say how, how often are you reading your Bible? Well, not as often as I should have. Well, and I'm, I ain't letting that go. You came to me. <laughs> Ask me what I think. Sit in front of my office top my time. I got two kids need me. Home alone, like that movie. So I'd break it down. How many days out of seven do you read your Bible? And I have never had one person sitting in my office in breakdown in 35 years of doing this, never had one person say, oh, Pastor Scott, I read my Bible every day. Every morning when I get up, I spend at least, at least 30 minutes to an hour. I've never had anybody tell me that. You know why? Because if you were living like that, you wouldn't be in my office breaking down. God would be your strength. You, you'd be carrying somebody else's burden. Talking about, I, I'm running a little slow this week because I'm helping these 19 other people carry stuff. All right, then you got to let that go too and get back to running your race. Okay, so you need to write this down, and you need to figure out what it is. <laughs> then there's a period. And then the next sentence starts with a word that is not a word that most English professors would prefer you to start a sentence with. Okay? This conjunction should be placed in the middle of something to offset something or to add something inclusive. But <laughs> God wants you to know when there's more. When you see the word and, think... There's more. That ain't all there is to it. And means there's more when God says it. There's more. You just can't, you just can't strip off your weight. You just can't especially strip off that big problem you got. And 
That means there's more. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Why would God, these are easy answers if you've been in abundant life for more than a month. Why would God, in his Bible, tell Christians that they need to run a race that he has set before them? Why would God say that? Because he set a race before us. Because we have a race. He's not saying, I've set a race before all you. He just expects that you know it. This is inferred in here that you know God has given you a race to run. Everybody in the world has a race to run. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody in this room got a purpose for being here. God sent some and the devil sent some. God, God sent some that are growing because they're yielding to God. God sent some that need to be growing that won't yield to God. And the devil sent people to tear it up. The Bible says they came in to spy out our liberty. Okay? But this infers that you know you have a race that God has set before you. you got your own particular race. And you got your own particular weight. You have your own particular race, and you have your own particular problems and struggles that you need to strip off. But the race that you have, God says you got to run it. When are you going to start running? Well, as soon as my kids graduate. Well, as soon as I, you know, we're moving in three months. As soon as I get this house project behind me. There's always going to be something. That you can use to procrastinate over. Well, you know, as soon, soon as this semester's over, uh, soon, soon, soon as soon as I what? Well, as soon as we get through the holidays, as soon as we get through summer break, as soon as we get through spring vacation, it's always going to be something. But when are you going to start running? You got to run. Sitting back waiting. Hey, what God? That's not what God designed you to do. He designed you to run this race. This takes effort. This takes energy. This, this takes stripping off stuff. You can't be carrying around a bunch of junk up to the starting line, to getting down in a starting pose with, with, with a refrigerator strapped on your back. Yeah, I'm ready to race. No, you're not. You got to run this. Let us run with endurance this race. Okay, well, there's running. But there's more than just running. See, most people are either sleeping through their life, walking aimlessly through their life, walking backwards in their life, laying down on the job in their life, or even those who are running aren't always running with, en with endurance. You have to endure. Man, you want to do a cool word study? Google the word, or go don't Google it, but... Go into a Bible search app. Go to blueletterbible.com, blueletterbible.org, and, and search, study the word endure. Do yourself a favor. Put in the first, you've got to have at least four letters. Put in the first four or five letters of the word endure, and then put an asterisk after the R. And it will bring up endure, endured, enduring, endurance, everything. If you go to Blue Letter Bible, everything that, that, that you can use, everything that word can be used to say, it'll bring all that up. The word endure is powerful. The word endure is connected to God and his people because the Bible says all of God's promises are to those who endure. If you're not enduring your race, doesn't matter if you're running, doesn't matter how hard you're trying, if you're not enduring your race, then, 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 then there's no promise for you. You've got to endure it. You go, Going through it, struggling to make it, well, Pastor, I'm just holding on, trying to do what God. That's not enduring. Nagging your way through it, complaining your way through it, that's not enduring. You've got to do this thing with a sense of purpose and a sense of determination and a sense of belief and a sense of realizing this is what God has for me and this is what I want to be about and I'm not going to complain my way through it. I'm going to love my way through it and I'm going to hold on to everything that God has for me. I'm going to get up every day and run as hard as I can run. And whatever obstacle comes in front of me, I'm going to gladly accept it and I'm going to run through it. I'm going to run over it. I'm going to run under it. I'm going to run around it. Whatever comes my way. The hymn writer said, whatever be tied. Study that. Whatever comes my way, I'm going to keep going. Whatever comes my way, 
I'm going to keep it. Man, we get tripped up over anything. Oh, that's it. They canceled Matlock. I can't go on. I just can't let it. Y'all don't even know who Matlock is. Listen. We let every little thing trip us up. I can't run today. My mind ain't right. Can't get my thoughts together. That is not enduring. That is not enduring. Enduring. Study that word and figure out what it means. It means to accomplish it with your mind right. You gotta have your motives together. You gotta run this thing the right way with the right mindset. You gotta get rid of all the junk. I almost said crap, but I said I wouldn't say that from the pulpit no more. Somebody emailed me. I said that word one time. They emailed me and said, I won't come back to your church because you're vulgar. Because you said crap from the pulpit. I hate me on the back. I can't believe you wrote, put that word in writing. <laughs> and, 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 and God bless you. Go endure somewhere else. We have to deal with all the junk that comes up. Get rid of it. Identify it. And say, this ain't for me. Got to get rid of that. You go try a shirt on. You realize it, it's, it's way uglier on you than it was on the hanger. You strip that off and you keep moving. Well, there's stuff that's on you right now that was never intended to be on you by the God that put the race for you together. you got to identify what it is. Strip it off. Don't live in unbelief. Don't live in unbelief. Don't let anything trip you up. Last thing, I've told you all this many times. If there is a pothole on your road that you drive on every day and you have hit that thing every day for the last three years, you need an inpatient therapy program. You're beyond counseling help. You, you don't even need outpatient. You need to go check in to an inpatient joint and, and let them find out what, what's wrong with your mind. If you know there's a pothole on your road and you already hit it a couple times, a smart person would do what? Go around it. How do you keep hitting the same pothole every time in your life spiritually? You know every time you get around certain people, they drag you down spiritually. How in the world are you still getting around them? You know every time that you start doing certain things that it starts slowing you down spiritually. Why you keep doing that? Man, I tell you what, we got in the ring one time. We had a big family fun day. We got in the ring. Me and Deacon Jimmy there, first ones there setting everything up. Before I hurt my back, I actually used to do stuff. And they had these big, giant, I mean, they weighed about 20 pounds, big, giant boxing gloves had a Roger held on gloves stuck out to here we been digging Jimmy in there we're just playing around I'm messing around actually stuck him too strong one time and just reflex bam he hit me right that glove covered my whole head I had to make a decision I'm like I either don't need to hit him that hard anymore and make him hit back or I need to cover up faster because this dude is in here swinging Okay, you need to decide what's for you and what's not for you. Who is for you and who is not for you? See, this, this, is, this is why I stay away from alcohol. Nothing in the Bible. Well, there's a couple of verses in there that, that say that it's not for, not for us and it's only for people who are grieving and sorrowful. But the big thing about alcohol is not to be drunk. Okay, you shouldn't drink to get drunk. And every time I think about that, I'm like, well, why in the world would anybody drink for any other reason than that? <laughs> I mean, come on now. Why? I mean, I was a stone-cold drunk. Y'all know the story. Everything bad in my life ain't about Dina, but, you know, she, she taught me how to be a real drunk. Carrying around gallon jugs of moonshine, white lightning, Everclear. Gallon jugs of Everclear in the trunk. We wasn't sipping on uh, what, Bartles and James wine coolers, 2% alcohol by volume. We were chugging straight white lightning, hot in a Florida heat, out of the trunk. I ain't drinking it for taste. I'm just going to get it in my gut so I can be drunk. You say, well, Pastor, you probably ain't the one that need to mess with alcohol. I am not. Okay. So I know what's up. Do you know what's up with you? I don't go to the Greater Jacksonville Agricultural Fair because there's too many rednecks there. And I ain't the one for some little 18, 20-year-old, 140-pound kid to bump into me and look at me. What? 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 Oh, 
I am not the one for that. I come from a generation of, of, of knuckle-throwing, fighting. Man, if, if, if you're less than 50 years old, you don't know nothing about that. These kids today ain't never been punched in the mouth. I, I, they ain't never been. See, that's what's wrong with the majority of these kids today. They ain't never had a good right hand to the face. They had to straighten out most of them. Uh, but we can't do that to our children in this generation. Well, how, how bad mom would be in prison in this day and age, wouldn't she? The beating she put on us was illegal, unlawful, unkind. Well, not generous. Well, it was generous to her. But I don't know what I can do and what I can't do and keep my mind and keep my race running in the right direction. I'm not going to hit the same pothole every day. And if you're hitting the same pothole every day, you need to pray more. Now, I'll be honest with you, there have been some times in my life where the same pothole has been a, 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 a killer for me. And just gripped me and just, just dragged me into it constantly. That's the kind of stuff you got to strip off. You got you to bring in, bring in a pair of scissors. You got to bring in a, a, a scraper. You, you got to bring in a razor. You got to just carve that off. You got to get that off you some kind of way. Because God wants you to run. He wants you to run with endurance. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Keep running. Get some of that weight off you. <laughs> It'll be so much easier. It'll be so much easier. One of our ushers, James Gillard, uh, he runs marathons. And he has a 45-pound weight vest <laughs> that he, I think he got it out of my storage unit. Um, <laughs> God knows I wouldn't really use it. What I look like would He runs up and down streets in Florida Heat. With a 45-pound weight vest on. Why do people run with ankle weights and weight vests on? So when they take that off, they just feel like a butterfly floating through the air. If you could get that weight off you, Christian, you feel like a whole new person. You would feel so lighthearted. You would feel joy, unspeakable and full of glory. If you could get that weight off you. And this is nothing that says let God do it. It said, let us. Christians spend too much time sitting back waiting on God to do something for them. When a lot of this is what God told us to do. Begging God, God, please strip this weight off me. Be like my son. I tell my son, go take out the trash. And he comes up to me and says, Dad, please take this trash out for me. No. I told you to do that. Ain't my job. You do that. Don't ask God to strip this weight off you. Ask him to help you. But you have to do this. The pastor can't do this for you. Your spouse can't do this for you. Your children can't do this for you. God won't do this for you. You have to put effort, a determined effort into it, and say, I'm going to strip this off. I'm going to beat this somehow. And you keep beating it till it's beat. Because some things don't go away quick. Whatever weight it is especially if it's been bothering you for a long time. Start stripping it off now. Stop adding weight. The things that you know are bad, cut them off. Cut them off. I can't carry your weight no more. I ain't unkind. I ain't unloving. But you're slowing me down. And I don't mess with crazy. I just let them know. Well, you need to go check in somewhere. You're beyond the pale. <laughs> you you. I can't deal with you. Don't try to take on everybody's weight. Some of you are so loving. Some of you are so, so much the center of everybody else's universe. You're taking on everything for them. And you're just about to crumble under it. You better let it go. You better let it go. You can't help them once you break down. You feel like you got to do all this stuff or everybody else's life's going to fall apart. What's going to happen when you have a nervous breakdown? What's going to happen when you fall apart altogether? And then what? You got to get healthy. You got to let go of the weight that's slowing you down. Because you do have a race. Every one of us has a race to run. God set a course for you. And it's a good race. You got a purpose and a plan. I think about Uncle Ken every time I think of this verse. God, God has a plan for you. It's a good plan. It's a plan to prosper you. It's to give you hope in a future. That's the race God has for you. 
We can't run it carrying everybody else's junk. So let's get free of weight. And let's get focused on enduring what God has for us and running the best way we can. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your love and your grace. Lord, I pray for this woman who comes in and out of the church all the time. Lord, I thank you that she comes by the church. I thank you, God, that she, she even walks in. Lord, I pray that you would renew her mind. Father, I pray that you would pull your love out on her and help her with her struggle. God, I pray that you would help us in our struggle. Lord, I, I confess that I have weight that I need to strip off, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen me, empower me, God, to do all that you've called me to do. Lord, I pray that you would help us to run the race that you have given us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, 